today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. We're pleased to be joined by Hamilton Police Chief Eric Gert. Hey, we actually get a chance to chat to each other in studio. This is kind of nice. Welcome. Yeah, we do tend instead of in the hallway, so that's, that's, yeah, that's a big change. Yeah, which is nice. Okay, uh, let's... Uh, okay, we'll make sure, Jacob, we have that mic up and running. Um, okay, we got that. That should be good. How's that? All right. No, we're for some reason we're, we're not... There we go. Okay, perfect. All right, so let's... Um, Let's start off first of all by talking about some of the um, the issues involving uh, what's been happening here in the city. And we had talked about uh, with with Deidre Pike last half hour about the incident uh, that uh, was put uh, some of the posters that were placed on the poles uh, in downtown Hamilton. I know there's a lot that can't be said because it's still under investigation. But what can you tell us about that? Well, it is under investigation, but I think probably the biggest piece. Do you need to check that, Mike? Yep. Okay. All right, we'll move you over. Over to here? Okay. Uh, okay. Oh. Here's the problem. We'll do this right here. We'll move you right here, Chief. Sorry. We'll do that's that. Okay. okay, there we go. How's that? Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's my fault. Go ahead. No problem. All right. Yeah, so we're investigating that as we would any uh, particular complaint about that. I think Deirdre's Pike uh, was, uh, and she kind of tried to spin a positive on it, it, was the awareness that is happening as a result of the actions of these people. And what it's uh, done is, uh, you know, increased interest in what is going on with the festival and the number of events and the plays. And when she talked about awareness, and as you know, she mentioned on, uh, on her call to you that she's done training in our service for about five years now. And really it's about having those conversations, about stepping in when you have homophobic con- comments or comments against trans, uh, any of the LGBTQ members. And uh, so you know, sometimes you can see positives of these things, but uh, often in, in terms of opinions and beliefs, and we've had these interactions with the Human Rights Commissions where you may have competing interests where uh, you have a religious belief on the one hand and you have uh, a different belief in terms of prohibited grounds on the other, and uh, the human rights struggles with these issues where there's different beliefs and different systems. It's not so much the beliefs that is the tension, it's when you have actions and when you have criminal acts, of course, we get involved. Uh, so it's not so much what your belief system is, it's what actions do you take and are you, uh, you know, committing a crime by doing so. By the way, the number to call if you have a question about uh, something that's concerning you is 905-645-3221. Dieter mentioned about uh, getting some emails and some uh, some correspondence from uh, a particular website. From a, a, a legal standpoint, what can be done about... I don't want to use the term shutting down a website, but if there's something that is pretty bad, pretty venomous, what can be done from a policing standpoint? Yeah, and it depends on the nature of the comments. We deal that uh, on a on a you know daily basis, so to speak, with regard to uh, it could be harassing. Um, you know, threats, it could be a whole range of things. So we'll normally deal with the service provider and they have, uh, when they're usually regulated, have some sense of responsibility around those things. But if it's actually uh, raises to the level of hate crime or genocide or uh, propaganda around genocide, then that's a different, uh, you know, different approach to what can be done. And of course, we need the Attorney General's consent often when we get into those kind of issues. Story that came out earlier today uh, on CHML News, a number of cannabis-related offenses down again last year for the fifth time in a row. StatsCan said there were 50, of course, this is national, 55,000 offenses related to to marijuana reported to police in 2016, 6,000 fewer than reported the year before. 
Uh, but despite that, the percentage of Canadians who consume the drug has gone up over time. Now, the Liberal government, of course, has uh, put the legislation in. Looking down the road, uh, how problematic is this going to be for police to enforce marijuana laws, deal with the new marijuana laws? Because this, in my opinion, I still think this is not necessarily a gray area, but there's still some some question marks being raised. And I think this is really what the liberal government's faced with, is making sure the legislation is clear, that the public understands what they can and can't do. Of course, if you're still trafficking in narcotics and a variety of other drugs, uh, that is still prohibited. What they're really looking at is what we call simple possession, uh, usually under the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act 401. But uh, this is just marijuana. This does not include opioids. This does not include Oxycontin, all the other drugs that are out there. Um, So it is, or the government's going to have to be clear on what the legislation actually is what the enforcement provisions are. You've got the mix of medical marijuana and when it's legally used, how much can you possess, how much can you actually uh, grow. And it's time really for them to integrate all those uh, acts so that they're congruent. And to your point, people understand what they can and can't do. My concern as a police chief is, uh, regardless, uh, you've got to look at the health impact, particularly at our youth. And I know they're into debates right now about what the legal age will be in each province. Usually they're looking at the, um, you know, for us it'd probably be around 19. Some other provinces might be 18. Uh, But the point is, whether it's tobacco, alcohol, or marijuana, you've got to look at the negative impacts health-wise, and we know of those in all three cases. Uh, So it it is complex. What we don't want, and what happened in Colorado and out west, uh, certainly in the states, is not looking after the marketing, so to speak, that was happening with regard to uh, THC content going into other things like gummy bears. It's being marketed to kids. Uh, the assertion I heard Bill Blair speak was, uh, you know, if if the government is not supplying it, he, you know, likened it to prohibition, whether it's gambling or alcohol. Uh, their idea was uh, control it through that, uh, ensure the purity uh, so that people know what they're getting, undercut, so to speak, those in organized crime who are profiting. My concern is that organized crime will continue to be in the business. So I'm not sure that they're going to solve that problem. I'm uh, Maybe I'm naive, probably, but you just mentioned something and my eyes just rolled up. When you mentioned THC being placed in gummy bears and sold to kids, Yep. I that that one surprises me because I think of gummy bears, I go and I pick them up and my wife loves them uh, and no problem. But that that kind of concerns me a little bit. Well, it doesn't. It's not a, it's not a, a new strategy. As you know, when they were marketing LSD, they'd use, uh, you know, known figures like uh, Superman or Mickey Mouse. I don't know what the current uh, cartoon figures are, uh, whether it's the new Power Rangers or whoever. Um, so there's concerns about that. And kids think, well, no, if it's got that, it must be kind of the seal approval. So uh, there's a similar approach, so to speak, with the marketing and those who are generating money. I mean, when you look at the tensions, it's uh, are they interested in money or are they interested in the health of our, our kids and our adults? Mm, you know, we really got to weigh that out. So they've got a difficult challenge here to do so in a way that's responsible, that does safeguards the interests of children, and that, uh, you know, also targets things. It's like the opioid crisis. Uh, when we're talking about harm reduction, we don't want to see people dying as a result of addictions. At the same time, we don't want criminals profiting by distributing drugs that are deadly. And we know that they're mixing it with higher potency potency chemicals 
this is a huge concern for us from, from an enforcement standpoint. Uh, we believe that we still need to target those who are uh, dealing in the in the drugs. Uh, 905-645-3221. If you want to uh, ask a question of Hamilton Police Chief uh, Eric Gert, as this is the Chief's monthly town hall here on AM 900 CHML. One of the things that we... Uh, I think she should talk about, and we'll be delving in this issue more next hour as we uh, talk to uh, one of our, our music uh, experts, PR person, former manager, what have you, is a whole issue of uh, the story that came out last week that the uh, singer for Lincoln Park died by suicide. By the way, I'm really hoping that the media gets uh, starts using the proper terms, uh, died from suicide as opposed to committed suicide. That's that's me getting off on my, my tangent a little bit here, but, but that's something I know that from your standpoint is is near and dear and something that Hamilton police is working on to kind of well break the stigma yes but also to uh, kind of help people up with that definitely and it's all about awareness and uh, you know one of the things I cite uh, I realize we've got musicians who are you know very successful and people think well how can they have any difficulties and then we've seen the speakers coming out through you know Bell Let's Talk like Clara Hughes uh, like Silken Lauman Michael Lenz Berg, I believe it is, um, very successful in their professions. And, you know, we had a training on uh, anxiety and depression uh, and the, from a clinical psychologist. And his point was, um, when he was, you know, we're doing training in-house for hostage barricade persons, he says, well, you know, people can't will themselves out of this. It requires medical intervention. It requires medication. So take somebody like a Clara Hughes, and if you make the argument, well, you know what, you just need to be focused and disciplined in order to get yourself out of this depression. So I picture Clara Hughes, who I don't know if anybody on your readers or your uh, listeners have uh, ridden up Sydenham Road. I did it once. Mm -hmm. Uh, She does it five times in her training circuit. She's a two-time Olympian. I'm thinking probably she has discipline, probably she has focus. I don't think that's the issue. So when you get high-profile people like this who are very accomplished in their specific areas, and again with Lyndon Park, he was as well, the, uh, you know, the front man, lead singer, um, it raises awareness that, boy, you know, it's, it's a little more complex. And it may just require medication and requires some compassion and some insight. One of the uh, nice things uh, as I do research on this job was last year uh, being uh, given the opportunity to do a ride along with your your officers and the mental health worker from from St. Joe's it was a, a fascinating look at what's involved when you get a crisis call from somebody who is says I you know I think I want to you know die from suicide mm-hmm. or, or what have you uh, for people that are that perhaps don't know about that take us through that 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 whole program because from what I understand Hamilton is kind of the template and there's now other police jurisdictions that are looking at you thinking you know what we should uh, not necessarily copy that but certainly uh, borrow it Yeah, so our person in crisis unit, which is under community mobilization, is actually a three-part strategy. And uh, the latest acquisition, so to speak, is our mobile crisis rapid response team. So that will be an officer in uniform with a mental health worker responding to the call that's life-threatening, either to the persons themselves, where they have suicidal ideation or are acting out, or to somebody else. And really our whole intent is we want to de-escalate, get the person to care, not take them in necessarily uh, to ER if, if we don't have to, because then they sit there with two officers, there's the potential stigma. 
Uh, we've gone from an apprehension rate before we introduced this program by our front line of around 74%, where the officers would take them in, see a clinical psychiatrist, and then they'd make an assessment. We're down to about 11% now. So keeping in mind, these are life-threatening calls. So that's been a positive in many ways for the client, uh, for the hospitals, for us. And then the other two-part system is we've both got COAST, which is in our 20th year now, born of, of course, a tragedy, which was the stabbing death of Zachary Antidormi. And, uh, of course, Lori Antidormi, his mother, still works with us in terms of awareness of this. She spoke most recently at the St. Joe's Conference. And then the last part is our social navigator program. And that's really where you have addictions, mental health, homelessness, and poverty. We don't want to necessarily, uh, you know, give people tickets. We're trying to look at alternate resolutions. So it really is a three-part strategy. you got the social navigator, kind of low end in terms of threat, but high needs in terms of the people. Uh, in Coast, it's a follow-up by an officer who's in plain clothes with a, a, a nurse. And then, of course, our life-threatening situations, which are mobile crisis rapid response team. Speaking of tickets, this may lead us into our next caller at 905-645-3221. Mike has a question for Hamilton Police Chief Eric Gert. Mike, good morning. How are you? Very good. How are you guys doing today? Good. Go ahead. You have a question for the chief? Yes, I do. Um, I just, I've talked to the police before, and I've also talked to the city of Hamilton about, like, we have guys that race up and down our street all the time. The unfortunate part is a couple of them actually live on our street. And the neighbors on the street have actually gone to the city and got these signs that you can put up in your on your lawn to say, slow down, there's a safety hazard, kids are playing, stuff like that. Now we're finding those certain people are now slowing down and are getting to those signs and actually speeding the car up as they go through that area. Now, we also had our street knocked down to a 40 kilometer an hour, and I asked the city about doing traffic calming, and they said, oh, well, if we traffic calm your street, we have to traffic calm the next two streets over. And uh, to me, this is about the children on the street, not so much about what they have to do to get this working right, but I just, I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's a recurrent theme across the, the city. And by racing, I'm assuming you mean speeding as opposed to two cars lining up and actually racing. Would that be correct? No, yes, you're correct. Yeah, they're, they're speeding. But, I mean, sometimes okay. there's two of them together and one's right behind the other. But, yep. they're, no, I mean, but it's increased speed. Like, it's 40, and I guarantee you they're hitting over 80 kilometers an hour. Yeah, and as you know, uh, we'll work through in the division, and most of our complaints obviously are, are traffic-related complaints, whether it's stop signs, speeding, um, well, almost to the point of careless driving. If you're distracted driving, depends what you're doing. If you're having a burger on your cell phone and steering with your knees, that <laughs> probably raises the level of careless. If you've got the cell phone in your hand, which I, you know, I still see as well, um, it really makes you wonder uh, the awareness piece. To your point about the neighborhood, and if, you know, we also have an aggressive driving hotline that you can phone in, and we will phone the person based on the license plate. We don't normally uh, issue a ticket, but of course, that all enters into, um, you know, our records in terms of what happens. So much like uh, for impaired driving, for example, we have a program where we determine where the person had their last drink, and then we'll make a call to the bar to say, uh, we've had, say, four or five impaired driving arrests originating out of your bar. What that does is put them on notice because, as you know, often those people can sue uh, the bar uh, if there is a disaster after the fact. Of course, they're smart, serve, trained, and all those other things. But we're just yes. making sure they're following the rules. Similarly here, where you get the license plate and we can do follow-up, 
A, it shows that people are paying attention. And then we, we can work often through the beat crime manager to have uh, somebody go with LIDAR, which is laser uh, enforcement. We also have radar as well and mm-hmm. can do that. Those signs through the city that will post the, you know, the speed, I find those quite effective. Coming down Green Street Hill, for example, you see people actually slow down. I don't know if it's a question of the thing, oh boy, I'm being observed. I don't really care how they slow down. As long as they slow down, I think that would be a mutual interest that you have, correct? Yes, it is. It's, it's, I mean, there's at least a dozen families on our street that we all have young kids, like, you know, really young kids. And I just, I'm just waiting for something severe to happen. And it's scary because I see these kids running on the street all the time. And I see these guys speeding all the time. Oh. So it just, it, it put the two of them together. All right. Mike, we're, we're going to say uh, thank you for your call because we're losing you on the cell. Uh, we will finish up that point because I have a couple of questions about what you just uh, mentioned. Uh, Police Chief Eric Gerd is with us. If you have a question, 905-645-3221. Ted Michelson for Bill Kelly. More coming up on AM 900 CHML. The Chief's Town Hall with Hamilton Police Chief Eric Gerd continues at 905-645-3221. Email ted at 900chml.com. Let's go to our next call. We have uh, Frank. Uh, whoops. Uh, you know, uh, Frank, you know what? I think I just, he, here's the problem. Here's the problem, Jacob. It's a brand new phone system, and I just messed something up, and I don't know what I did. So we're going to have to uh, get Frank on uh, the air uh, again. I got you. you. You got me. Oh, Frank, okay, Frank, go <laughs> ahead. Sorry, I wasn't sure what I did. You have a question for the chief. Well, it, it, maybe it was me. I was, paid, I was playing the Bobby Foley for an original song. Of See? <laughs> See? I'm glad you agree with me on this one. I'm glad you agree. Yeah, I agree with you too, Ted. Uh, go ahead. Uh, all right, so we're all in agreement here, but let's yep. agree on let's agree on this, uh, Chief. Good to have you on, and it's it's uh, good to talk to you directly. Um, as they call it, uh, rolling stops at a stop sign. When are you going to put a blitz on this? It's happening all over the place in my community where I live. Matter of fact, I was walking along the side of the street when there was construction. Someone turned the corner, and she was looking at my dog, but the mirror in her in her uh, vehicle hit me and she's smiling at my dog and she didn't realize that that, that she snubbed my shoulder with her mirror by sliding around the corner without letting me know that she was not going to stop. I'd like that one. Well, I don't, and I'm sure you didn't either, depending on the level of impact. But yeah, uh, it does say stop. It doesn't say rolling stop. It's it's not a yield sign. It does mean stop. Come to a complete stop means your wheels stop turning. And uh, yeah, we do enforce for that as well as speeding, as well as uh, distracted driving. There's a whole range of things. Um, but we're just talking about uh, some of the um, you know turns when you have either pedestrians close by or they're walking in the crosswalk. And the whole premise, from my point of view, it's common sense. Uh, it's not necessarily regulated, but you know you're in a vehicle, they're walking, they're far more vulnerable. Let them complete whatever they're doing, and then you can make your turn or do whatever you have to do. Everybody's in such a hurry that you're going to make up two seconds, I guess. Uh, but the whole point is, if you're distracted watching somebody's dog, then you're not properly in control of your vehicle. Well, you know, Chief, I, I, I know, I have, and many people have, I drive down the street at nighttime when there's nobody there, and I stop at that, at that if that's what I was taught when I got my driver's license. Right. To stop, regardless of who's there, or whether it's, whatever the conditions are, the, the sign says stop. Now, can I ask you this? What is the fine for not stopping at a stop sign? Uh, I don't have the set fines in front of me right now. I haven't issued for one of those for a little while. I believe it's around the $250 mark, and there's usually a victim uh, surcharge. Uh, but it does involve points as well when you fail to stop at a at a stop sign. What do you think of this, Chief? 
I think sometimes there should be a, an outward awareness put on these signs, that particularly the ones that have the, the grid down the bottom to try to yep. bring it to everybody's attention. Yep. I would like to see it sometime. Failure to stop at this stop sign will cost you $250. I think that might ring somebody's bell and maybe even the mayor points too. Uh, don't you think that sometimes we have to maybe do this thing for, to show to people what the um, consequences of, of doing this is uh, going to amount to them in their wallets? Yeah, there's kind of two things, and this is less of ours than it is traffic, and I'm, I'm just being brief that it's $110, uh, so I'm a little out of date there. I'm probably thinking wow. some of the higher speeding fines, but in any event, it is $110 and three points. Uh, but to your point, they have what they're called tiger tails. When they normally erect a new stop sign, they'll do that for awareness. Relative they don't seem to do all that much at, but our, where I see them. Right. Well, they only leave them up for a short time, usually when it's new, because we've had conversations with city traffic around that as well. Sometimes they'll put them out for a short span if they come out and, uh, you know, either we do uh, the monitoring of the intersection or they do the monitoring of the intersection, uh, they can post them. But relative to kind of lengthy writing on signs, it tends to distract people more than that's why they've gone with symbols. So, What would you say, could I ask you this? What yeah. would you say, or do you know, what they most... Uh, violated areas are did you have any take on on that as to where people find that stop signs are being um, rolled over rather than stopped that uh, repetitively more than anywhere else might be yeah any idea what that would be because i think that would be a good point to start putting some of your offers there and start sending the message yeah, we're, we take a slightly different atta- uh, uh, approach on this. We look at the top 20 intersections for motor vehicle collisions. And actually, the top intersection is King and Red Hill Parkway, 27. This is just for um, this year. Uh, Dundurn and King, uh, Lincoln, uh, Alexander Parkway, and Upper James. And of course, that's based on volume, too. Stone Church Road and Upper, it goes on. So we track the top 20 intersections for collisions because, of course, that's where you can have injury. Relative to the number of stop sign intersections, you would actually have to monitor, and there's literally thousands of them, um, so either through somebody watching all those intersections or some kind of traffic equipment that monitors that. So we don't have that statistic, but we do, obviously, for uh, collisions. Well, I just feel as though that there should be a blitz put on to send the message, because I think that the message could get around, and and it could lessen the amount of people that are doing that, uh, more so than I've ever seen in my time. Thank you for your, your, your moment here, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thanks very much. There you have it, uh, Frank uh, calling in. Uh, we do have an email at uh, ted at 900chml.com. Uh, le- it seems to be the common thread here. Tony is up next on uh, CHML, the Bill Kelly Show. Tony, have a question for the police chief about crosswalk rules? Yes. This uh, thing about uh, with the city bylaw where they say you're supposed to wait until they get all the way across the street or something in that line. Uh, the question is, when you have boulevards in the middle like King, uh, like James Street and uh, Fennel and, and the Gage and so on and so forth up here in the hill, uh, if a person is crossing towards you, I can see where you, if they're on the far side of the street in, uh, in that lane, you can possibly make a right-hand turn in front of them. But if they're in your, uh, your side... You you have to uh, you should wait and let them go and then go behind them. But on the other way around, if they're going across from you, once they're out of your right, can you make a turn behind them? Uh, you're right on all counts, Tony. And actually, there's a misconception. What they're talking about is the uh, time span for pedestrian cross totally over is at the pedestrian crossovers. 
They are different than uh, the regular intersections with the crosswalk at a four-way, uh, you know, uh, intersection. As you described it, if they're on the far side, yes, you can turn right ahead. I guess common sense prevails here, too, because theoretically you could pass within six or eight inches, and some people do. Of course, if I'm the pedestrian, I'm going to be startled. So you want to do it safely. Use some, you know, common sense. And I was just talking to Ted earlier. Uh, be aware as well, when you make that turn, you kind of obscure the pedestrian from the car behind you if they're going to be turning, right? Yes. So you want to take that into account when you kind of leave them space. And also, if there's kids crossing, you know, uh, depending on their age, but they could even be with their parents, you know, you never know what they're going to do, and they may bolt for some reason. It's always just, uh, you know, for the five seconds it's going to take you to wait. My view is, particularly where they're unpredictable, uh, you wait. In your description, where they're at the far side and you get clear turn, you can do that. And once they've continued across the road and then you're turning behind them, it's the same thing. The other thing, and I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't policing, but this is just uh, traffic safety is checking your intersections multiple times. You know, some people only check left and right once. You've got to reassess all the time because things can change very quickly, uh, whether it's somebody running and they come out into the pedestrian crosswalk. So you're right in terms of pedestrian crossovers versus crosswalks. And the big thing is doing it safely. Well, yeah, it, uh, it it just seems that uh, sometimes there, if you're going to wait all the way along, you lose the light. You mm-hmm. know, it takes so long. Sometimes, like, you only have 15 seconds for a walk across the street. And I know the one on Upper Gage, uh, it's been lengthened because uh, it's a senior complex area. Are you talking Upper Gage and Mohawk? Yeah. No, Upper Gage... Uh, Yep, Upper Gage of Mohawk. Yeah, Upper Gage of Mohawk. They've extended that when you can't make right-hand turns on red lights and so on and so forth because of uh, because of the seniors that are in there. I know it takes you a while to get across that street. It's a good wide street. Yeah, and that was really as a result of uh, safety issues that were raised both by the local councillor and by the number of collisions that were happening there. Well, we it, lost a few people in there, too. Exactly, and, and so for the sake of a prohibited right turn now, and we had some questions about that, uh, my force of habit is I look at the traffic signal and I always look to the left and right of that signal because it'll tell you whether you can turn right on the red or not. It's just a good way to check to make sure that you're following, you know, the other controlling signs at that intersection. And there's good reason why Mohawk engages the way it is. Yeah, well, there, there was a lot of uh, people that are not familiar with that. And, uh, like, I go through there a few times. It took me a while to get the... Uh, the rules and regulations going on around there, going through the the lights. And, uh, like, uh, a lot of people go in, they don't see that. They say, oh, it's a red light, I can make a right-hand turn. And they don't realize that uh, it, it's forbidden because of the senior complexes. Yeah, and, and again, that's a matter of being attentive to what the traffic control signs are at the intersection. That's mm-hmm. why I say when I look at the signal light, I always kind of look to the left and right, because usually to the right of the sign, and it says, you know, can't turn right on red. Okay. And then one of our other complaints was uh, somebody stopped there, somebody laying on the horn behind them. Yep. Well, you can't make the prohibited turn just because the person behind you is not aware that you can't turn on right, All or right. right on the red. Okay, yeah. Tony. All th- right, thank you very much. Thank, yeah. thank, thank you, you for Tony. your call. And uh, by the way, do, Tony is gone. We have a line open if you want to uh, have a question for the chief. In the remaining moments, 905-645-3221. Uh, this is the email that uh, came in. Good morning, chief. Sometimes when I'm turning right at a no right on red intersection, and waiting for the light to turn green, ignorant and impatient drivers behind me honk, not realizing there is a no right on red sign. 
How should I react in that situation? Sick of dealing with stupid, impatient, uninformed drivers. Phil is the man who sent in the email. And I guess Phil is really laying it out there, uh, which is good because that's how we feel. Uh, what we're also cognizant of, you don't want to get into a road rage incident where people start getting out of their cars, uh, having it out on the street because they think the person behind them is, as Phil has described. Um, so you know what the laws are. And if you feel threatened in your car, too, because somebody's coming up pounding on your door, uh, you don't know, stay in your vehicle. You don't need to get out and have a big dispute about, oh, by the way, there's a prohibited turn there. You can't do that. Um, you know, stay the course. Uh, I've seen it too. And I've been in my own personal vehicle and people are laying on the horn and you're like, have a look at the sign. Cause, uh, I'm not making the prohibited turn. And usually if you look at where those turns are prohibited, it's usually where vision is obscured either by buildings or the line of sight, or as in the case of upper gauge in Moloch, because of a number of pedestrian injuries or fatalities that have happened there. So it's usually good reason. They don't, uh, the city traffic doesn't tend to inhibit your, your traffic flow if they don't have to. But when they do, it's usually for good reason. So again, it's being aware of your surroundings, having a look at the light, and you got to stay the course in spite of, as Phil's described, those people. Now, I'm going to get on, on my tangent because one of the things that I don't like is, and there's been a lot of talk about driving on the link and the Red Hill, yep. and I get there's been a lot of uh, fatals and a lot of accidents and what have you. The speed limit on the link and the Red Hill is 90K. 90K, that's correct. If, if traffic is going at 95K, I've, I've heard rule of thumb is that you try to stay within the, the flow of traffic. So if, if, if I'm doing 90 and the person behind me is laying on the horn because he wants to do 100 when it's not 100, should I be staying with the flow of traffic there, or should I, as I sometimes want to do because I, I'm feeling in a different mood, I just <laughs> point at the sign as I drive by saying that sign says 90. Uh, what's the situation there? What should be done? Well, my view, and, you know, we face these things whether you're driving here in the States or otherwise. And uh, for me, and I just got a, a lengthy email from a citizen talking about, you know, the obligation to be in the right-hand lane unless you're passing. Well, actually, uh, that is not in the act anymore, but uh -huh. it's certainly a good rule of thumb, and it makes sense because you want traffic to flow. For often, what you'll see, and we did quite a bit of enforcement there, you pull to the right, person lays in the accelerator, and one of the most rewarding things for citizens is when we're up ahead, have just pulled them over, and you're thinking, boy, that really saved you a lot of time, didn't it? Because now you're over getting a ticket, and you're going to be that much later for whatever it is you were in a big hurry for. So, uh, you know, where we can, we will. Uh, as you know, I am a, a fan of photo radar. I think it does change driving behavior. I realize that, uh, you know, the government is going to have to take a position on that. They are mending it for community safety in some jurisdictions. Uh, but I, you know, I've driven down in uh, New Brunswick where it's in place and you see the change in the behavior. I remember when it was implemented here, uh, driving on the 400 series highways and people were driving within the speed limit. It was incredible. But, but the safety that you felt because you weren't dealing with what you described, Ted, uh, it was worth it in my opinion. Now, the alternate is, oh, it's just big uh, money grab. And because I pay taxes uh, is the theory, I'm allowed to speed. Well, I don't, I don't buy that. So, uh, you know, to change that behavior, it's either through enforcement. One of those mechanisms for, for enforcement is photo radar. You know, we uh, talk about photo radar. Uh, then there's radar itself. And um, I know that there is one particular area near this radio station where I drive. I don't I should probably not mention where it is, and I don't think I will. 
but it is near this radio station. It is a major access, and I know that... Would it be by King and Dundurn? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. So you're driving down King. You go over the uh, you go over the highway. The Basilica is there to your right, and then you make that right, right-hand turn, which you have to go near King and, uh, and kind of a Longwoodish. Anyway, probably on a Monday to Friday, there's at least two times a week where the police are nicely situated. Uh, picking people off. So so I can tell you that um, it it does, when I hear people say that traffic isn't being enforced, I know you can't be everywhere, but I'm still appalled at the number of people who speed up there and then realize, oh, it's too late. So the enforcement is being done, and I take great pleasure in somebody that speeds by me, as you say, and gets <laughs> pulled over by the friendly police to say, let's have a conversation. That's right. And actually, in Division One, King and Dundurn is still the leading intersection for collisions. It was in June 2017. Uh, so we do continue to enforce that relative to the earlier callers, uh, earlier callers comment. Um, so I'm glad to hear that they're out doing it. So I'm okay to name the intersection. All right. And as a preventative method, if uh, people know we're out there doing that and they, you know, slow down, you know, that's a complex intersection just like it is for Main and Dundurn. And when you're coming off the highway, the 400 series, you've got Main Street West. People are switching lanes all over the place. Uh, if you're speeding through that, you've got to be crazy because there's like six, seven lanes of traffic all sorting themselves out. And uh, you've got a stoplight there as well. It's just bad, bad idea to do that. Let's take our next call at 905-645-3221. Tony, you have a question uh, for Hamilton yes, Police Chief. Go ahead, Tony. Thank you. Um, I believe in Georgia or one of the st- states, if you're con- convicted of drunk driving or and after you've paid your, your uh, fine or done your uh, time, you're issued a special license plate that's fluorescent, and people know that you've had that. And apparently the recidivism rate is very, very low after that. So it's just a recommendation. What do you think about that? Uh, I've not heard of it, but uh, I'm obviously in favor. Um, I know from the public shaming, that's what they call it, uh, whether it was posting people uh, arrested for, uh, you know, sex trade uh, transactions, we'll call them, or other drunk driving is another big one. Um, if it works and it's effective, um, that's fine. Uh, that kind of stigma that goes with it, I'm not as big a fan on that where, you know, uh, but it's impaired driving, so uh, I wouldn't be adverse. It would require changes from the legislators, obviously. And, uh, and uh, interesting uh, concept. And apparently, you know, the police would st- stop them frequently and any other drivers that see that license plate, you know, they would be, uh, that would be cautious. Anyways, it's just a recommendation. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, Tony. In the remaining moments, uh, we may be able to squeeze one more call in before we take the break at the top of the hour. Uh, in the remaining moments, I know that you were busy um, out in the community. Uh, there was a couple of events that, that you uh, talked with uh, several people and yeah. kind of uh, tell us about that. Quickly. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I, I was out at uh, uh, the Abraham Mosque on King Street. Uh, they raised the flag for the 150th celebration of Canada. Uh, so it was an assertion, and, and certainly uh, with the preponderance of newcomers there. Um, and, um, you know, the dialogue around what Canada represents in terms of, uh, you know, a peaceful society uh, where people feel included, uh, these are huge positives. And I was also with the Bangladesh community um, uh, for a harbor tour on Sunday night. But it's interesting, the dialogue, because it's usually I get approached on traffic issues mm-hmm. and people driving in the manner you've, you've stated. But also uh, what we're hearing a lot, too, is a difference in policing in Canada versus the international context or 
uh, countries of origin, how uh, how different it is, and uh, you know the accountabilities that we have. Where in some uh, societies where they're an arm of the military, uh, and the abuses that may flow from that, it's very different. So it was very positive in terms of newcomers' perspective, both on Canada and on policing. All right, let's take our last call, Sarah. You've got uh, about a minute. Go ahead with Police Chief uh, Eric. Or go ahead. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. Go ahead. Um, just really quickly, I actually work in the same building as CHML, and I have to take the 403 um, eastbound going home, so I always turn at Longwood and King Street West, and that intersection is a disaster. Um, I'm constantly seeing people run red lights, pedestrians are almost getting hit. I know people are trying to run the green to turn left uh, with the left uh, turn signal, and it just seems like it's really short, and everyone is just trying to fly through that intersection all the time. Yeah, and some some of those are engineering applications because we've looked at uh, also when we get our high um, high collision intersections, we look at those applications where the city traffic might be able to amend. Sometimes you have to actually change the topography of the road, which is not cheap or simple. Right. And I know for Longwood and Maine, the the visible lines and lines of sight are difficult there, both for pedestrians crossing, as you said, but you have also multiple lanes turning at the same time. And anytime we've got intersections like that, it's difficult. Uh, so yes, you can do enforcement, but I know from doing, uh, I talked about King and Dundurn. When I was in traffic, we did uh, enforcement there. You really got to watch that you don't get killed or set up a difficult situation by doing the enforcement. So it's very similar. Hamilton Police Chief Eric Gerb, the, the time has flown by. Thank you for this. Thanks, Ted. I, I appreciate that. This has been fun and very informative. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.